0: Stuart Holman here. Welcome to the final devotional in this week's series, which follows Jesus' journey from the Last Supper to the Cross. Previously Jesus has been condemned to death by torture on the cross. Pontius Pilate's authority was used to make this determination. And yet the Gospels emphasise that responsibility for this decision did not rest with one man or with one group or even nation. It was as though all of humanity owns the decision to crucify their saviour. Most remarkably, this was always God's plan, God's way of bringing salvation to all of humanity. And so, having been sentenced, the Roman soldiers take Jesus up and begin their gruesome task. Uh, Reading from Luke 23, verse 26. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene who was on his way in from the country and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. Now it was customary for a condemned man himself to carry the crossbar of the gallows to the place of execution. They would then walk through the city, perhaps to the jeers of the crowd and they would have to walk out to the execution grounds. For the city of Jerusalem, this was a place outside the city walls called Golgotha, or the place of the skull. Now, the Romans often preferred these execution grounds to be a place near the highway so that, like a billboard, many travellers would see the horrors of crucifixion and be reminded of Roman power and what happens to those who rebel against it. The exact location of Golgotha is disputed today but its position outside the walls of Jerusalem at that time meant that the procession of the condemned was always going to be a public spectacle. And so as we picture Jesus being forced to carry the crossbar of the cross, but perhaps being too weakened for the task by the scourging and the beating he had already received, we're reminded that Jesus called his disciples to take up their cross and follow him. If anyone understood this metaphor, I imagine it would have been Simon of Cyrene as he carried Jesus' cross. Cyrene is located in northern Africa in modern-day Libya, which at that time had a large Jewish community who had been forced to settle there by the Greeks about three centuries before. The inclusion of the detail of, of Simon of Cyrene's name in the text here suggests that later he had some kind of standing in the Jewish community, with his sons, Alexander and Rufus, who are also named in Mark's gospel. Anyway, it's this man, Simon of Cyrene, who is forced to carry Jesus' cross. Verse 27. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children, for the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? So as the crowd followed Jesus out of the city toward Golgotha, that the women among them Raised a, a death wail for Jesus, a mournful cry of, of sorrow and sympathy. But it seems that Jesus returns in kind, out of pity for Jerusalem and its people. Let them mourn rather for themselves, for a day would come when they would regret having borne children, children who were to endure terrible suffering. It seems to be a reference to the coming destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans, uh, beginning in 66 but culminating in 70 AD. Jesus had previously foretold these events as recorded in each of the Synoptic Gospels. Jesus says, look, if this is how the Romans treat an innocent person, the, the green tree, Jesus, how much worse would be the fate of the guilty ones of Jerusalem? Now, we know, of course, that Jesus is referring to this event, to, to the, the crushing of the, of the, the Jewish temple, or the crushing of Jerusalem and, and the Jewish nation. We know this because he quotes from the prophet Hosea in chapter 10. Uh, speaking of Jerusalem's false worship, he says, the high places of wickedness will be destroyed. It is the sin of Israel. Thorns and thistles will grow up and cover their altars. Then they will say to the mountains, cover us and to the hills fall on us?" In other words, when such a terrible judgment comes upon the people, they long for some catastrophe of nature to put an end to their sufferings. And while this judgment of Jerusalem surely depicts God's wrath against their sinful unbelief, this is only the foretaste of the final day of judgment. And so it's no surprise that the same horror is expressed in Revelation 6, as God's wrath is poured out against the unbelieving then. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? This theme of judgment is the appropriate frame for Jesus' crucifixion, now about to take place at Golgotha, for the judgment of the world is now about to fall on him, ahead of that final day of judgment referred to in Revelation 6, so that those who put their faith in him today will be saved from out of that forthcoming day of judgment. We are the ones who have been saved out of that horror. It is Jesus, whose crucifixion was deserved only because of our sins, who diverts judgment and condemnation away from us. We are protected, we are saved, but only through the horror of the cross where our judgment falls upon Jesus. I ask you to sit quietly with that thought for just a few moments don't rush away or click on something else at the end of this video sit quietly for a few moments before you pray pondering the truth that we are saved but only through the horrors of the cross where judgment falls upon jesus